Thank you so much. Total blessing to be here as the church and to worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. And it's a total blessing. And so like Rob was saying about two months ago, um, I had shared something with the staff at a staff meeting that the Lord had showed me um, in my time spent alone with him in devotions. And afterward, Rob had approached me and said, hey, I uh, want you to pray about sharing what you shared with us at a first things first evening. And I, you know, to be honest, was super excited and really stoked because to be here standing behind this pulpit is a huge honor. And um, so I'm really excited because I really believe the Lord has given me a word, put something on my heart for all of us, including myself. And so I'm excited to share. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Isaiah chapter six? Isaiah chapter six is where we're going to be this evening. Isaiah is located in the Old Testament. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hands. The ushers are going to come forward at this time and give you a Bible. I think we have a couple hands over here and some over here too. Thank you to our faithful ushers. You know, one of the things I love most about the first things first evenings is we really separate and set aside time to wait on the Lord and hear from him. And I think that Really, there's nothing more valuable, there's nothing more important in the life of a Christian, in the life of a believer, than to wait on the Lord. Amen? Is to wait in his presence and to listen to hear his voice. That's one of the things I love most about these evenings, is we get a chance as a church together the body of Christ to do just that. So if you are in Isaiah 6, we're going to go ahead and start in verse 1, and we're going to read down to verse 8. So let's pick it up here in verse 1. The prophet Isaiah is speaking here in chapter 6, and he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Verse five. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer one more time. Lord, we do come before you now. We know, Lord, that your word never returns void. Lord, we know that you are here in our midst. God, we want to get out of the way and we want you to show up and speak to our hearts. 
I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what the Spirit has to say this evening. We welcome you here as we were just singing, Lord. Be glorified in this time. In your holy and precious name we pray, Jesus, amen. Amen. If you're taking down notes this evening, the title of the message is, I See the Lord. I See the Lord. Before we dive into this passage of Scripture, I want you all to understand that this passage, Isaiah 6, has so much to offer us. And I really believe it is nearly impossible for me to squeeze in all the doctrine, all the theology, all of the information that is lying here in this passage. It's hard to do it in 20 minutes. But tonight... I believe that there are four things that we see here in this passage that I want to talk about. Four things that we see. When we come to this portion of scripture here in Isaiah 6, right off the bat, we learn something very important to the context of the passage. Verse 1 states, and the first line says that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah died. So the first thing, the first of four things we're going to talk about this evening, the first thing we see is, number one, a king is dead. A king is dead. You see, King Uzziah was one of Judah's greatest rulers, one of Judah's greatest kings. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 3 through 5, the passage is going to be on the screen, tells us a little bit about King Uzziah. It says in verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old, when he became king. He's the age of some of our high schoolers. (laughs) He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jeshaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Verse 5, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. From this context we pick up here in Second Chronicles, we see and we understand that King Uzziah was a godly man who followed God, followed the Lord, And he led the nation of Judah very well. God made him prosper. But like all men, Uzziah died. And this left the nation of Judah in a tough place, a leaderless place, a place of speculation, a place of wondering what would happen next, a place of wondering what the future would look like, and I am sure a place of fear Their leader had died, and they were looking for a new one. I bring this up because like the nation of Judah, I believe that we are in a very similar place today as Americans. This is an election year. An election is fast approaching, and we are looking to see who will be our nation's next leader. We watch the debates We do our research, we laugh at Donald Trump, and we hope and pray that whoever is elected is going to do a good job leading. But even more than a leader, even more than a good president, our nation needs Jesus. Our nation needs a fresh vision of the true king. 
So one of the first things we see is that a king has died. The second thing we see, a vision of the true king. Number two, a vision of the true king. I want us to look at verses one through four again. And we're going to read. In the year that King Uzziah died, we just covered that, Isaiah is speaking, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse four, and the posts, the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. Here in verses one through four, we see that a king has died. Yes, but in the same instant, in an instant, the prophet Isaiah, the prophet that God sent to be a prophet, to be his mouthpiece to the people, in an instant, Isaiah sees the true king. He sees the supreme leader. His attention is brought to its perfect place. His eyes are fixed on the proper image. He is aligned with eternity. It says that he sees the king's throne. That speaks to us of the majesty of who God is, the power of God's rule, his position of being supreme ruler and judge. And then it says he sees his robe, which speaks of his royalty, his beauty, his majesty. And then in verse two, it says that he sees these things called seraphim, these huge, enormous creatures that are standing above the throne, praising God, leading worship in heaven, participating in something very similar to what we just did moments ago. And in that moment, the place is shaken by the worship of the true and living God. And verse four tells us that smoke fills the room. This is an incredible picture. This is an incredible picture. This is the throne room of God. Things that we can't even fathom, things we can't even think or draw up or recreate. I want us to pause right here for just a moment. And please give me your attention. Church, do we understand that this is something that is a regular occurrence in heaven. This is a regular occurrence in heaven. Our God is worshipped and adored. His throne room is unlike anything we could ever imagine. This is amazing. This same God in Isaiah 6 is the God we worship. It's the God we're worshiping tonight. And this is the God precious church family that we are able to know intimately in a real way. It's the same God. It's very powerful. So after Isaiah has this fresh vision of God, we come to verse five. And that brings us to the third thing we see, our third point. So a king is dead. There's a fresh vision of the true king. And then number three, Isaiah sees himself. Isaiah sees himself. Read verse five with me again. Isaiah speaking, he said, So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. 
Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This vision of God leads Isaiah to have a proper vision of himself. This vision of the true and living God leads Isaiah to have a proper vision of himself as a man. The glory of God, the splendor of God leads Isaiah to confess his weakness before the true and living God and then in return receive a blessing. Here's something that's really interesting. It's kind of like a paradox. See, Isaiah was a prophet. He's God's mouthpiece. Yet here we see that he's confessing that he's a man of unclean lips. That should tell you something about the glory of God. That should tell you something about what Isaiah is seeing here. He has seen the true and living God, and he is so overwhelmed that he is led to confess. He is led to confess, repent, humble himself. Afterwards, he receives a blessing. Look with me at verses six and seven again. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Because Isaiah humbled himself, his sin was forgiven. It's gone. He was poor in spirit. Isaiah was poor in spirit. What do I mean by that? Look, it's important that we too, as Jesus Christ followers, we must understand the importance of confession before our king, before Jesus. Humility and confession, get this, humility and confession allow us to be cleansed and prepared for any good work that the Lord might prepare for us. There's a little foreshadowing of what we know happens a couple verses later, that humility and confession cleanses us and prepares us for what the Lord would have prepared for us. I want to bring to you attention the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those that are poor in spirit understand that apart from God, apart from grace, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, they are hopeless. They need God. Isaiah came to a place of humility before the king. So not only do we see that a king has died, not only do we see a vision of the true king and Isaiah's vision of himself, but number four, and the final point, Isaiah hears the Lord's voice. Isaiah hears the Lord's voice. Look at verse eight again. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send me. Here we see that this process that Isaiah undergoes, this vision that he sees, it produces a call. Produces a call on his life. A commission. The Lord, the true and living God, asks, who will I send? Who will reach this world? Who will I use Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. I believe that today, tonight, in this room, God asks the same thing of us. The same thing of us. 
Who will I send? Who will go for me? Who's going to do it? Church family, I believe that we are in the same spot that the nation of Judah was in. We need a leader. Yeah, we do. But what we really need is Jesus. Before Isaiah could be used by God, before he was able to go, he needed a fresh vision of Jesus. He needed a fresh vision of God, the true king. Before he was sent, before he was able to go and reach the nation, before the burning coal from the altar touched his lips, he needed to see God. Please understand that the Bible is very repetitive with where our eyes are, where our vision is, where we should be looking. Oh, there's so many references about our eyes. Where are we looking? Real quick, think of Peter on the Sea of Galilee. Why did he sink? Why did he sink? It's because his eyes were off the king. They were off Jesus. He was walking on water. He was looking at Jesus. He was experiencing victory. But as soon as his eyes were off Jesus, he sinks. And he's overcome by the wind and the waves. The scriptures are crystal clear that in order to be used effectively by God, we must have a fresh and clear vision of God. Let me say that again. The scriptures are crystal clear that in order to be used effectively by God, we must have a fresh and clear vision of God. I must be vertical if I want to be effective horizontal. Have to. Think of Abraham real quick. Think of Abraham. He was called by God. He had a vision from God, a vision to be used. And he left his homeland. He obeyed. He stepped out. He had no idea where he was going. But he had an encounter with God, right? Think of Joseph and the coat of many colors. We all know that story. He stayed faithful to God through many trials, Because he had a vision from God. He remembered what God had told him in a dream. And I am certain that it was that pinnacle point in his life that helped him stay faithful to God amidst so many trials. Think of Moses. He had a vision of God. He saw the burning bush And then after he saw God, he received the commission to go and rescue the children of Israel out of captivity. Amen? But he saw God first. And then God said, go. He saw him first, though. And then he said, go. Think of Saul on the road to Damascus. He had a fresh vision of the king. He was overwhelmed by Jesus. saw his glory. And then his life, 180-degree turn, is forever changed. He became Paul, and he pins two-thirds of the New Testament. Huge impact on the world because he had a fresh vision of who Jesus was. In Acts 1, we're familiar with this, but there's a connection between what Isaiah sees and what the disciples saw in the ascension when Jesus ascended to his throne. And I want us to pay attention to this. In Acts 1, the disciples 
Watch as Jesus ascends to heaven and takes his rightful place at the right hand of the throne of God. And I do not think it is a mistake that it was after that vision of who God is that the Holy Spirit came and empowered them and they were able to be used effectively to reach the world for the gospel. I bring these men up, I bring these stories up because each one has played a monumental role in biblical history. All were effective for God. All had a fresh vision and perspective of who God is. I strongly believe we're in a similar place in time that the nation of Judah was in. That's probably the third time I've said it, but I'm going to repeat it again because I believe we're in the same spot that Judah was in. We're looking for a leader. We're uncertain of the future. But at the same time, in a paradoxical shift, as we are uncertain of the future, God, the same God from Isaiah 6, is looking for people who are going to go. He is looking for people who are willing to say, here I am, send me, send me, I'm available. We have to understand, we have to understand, church family, in order to be effective on the horizontal plane, in order to reach the lost, in order to witness to that coworker, in order to be a good coworker, in order to be a loving caring person to the lost, in order to impact the world for the gospel, we must have a fresh vertical perspective of who God is. We must have a fresh vertical perspective of who God is, a fresh vision of the true king. Like and similar to when Isaiah sees the Lord has a fresh vision, we too, as believers, as his church, when we go vertical, we will better understand ourselves and how to reach a world that desperately needs to know Jesus. When we go vertical, we will be strengthened and equipped to be effective on the horizontal. But we will never understand what it means to go, what it means to respond to God's call, what it means to honor God, what it means to share the gospel, what it means to serve God until we see God. Until we see God. We'll never understand until we see God, until we go vertical. My challenge to all of you, including myself, my encouragement to all of you, including myself, is to cultivate with a passion, with a passion, your personal, my personal, vertical relationship with God. Have a fresh vision of him. Have a refreshed and refreshed and refreshed and continual and continual and refreshed vertical vision of who the true and living God is, who the true king is. Read Read his word. Read his letter to us. Pray in the spirit. Pray, pray. Meditate on God's word. Have a vertical, fresh vision of God. Our nation, it doesn't need a new president. It needs Jesus. And so do we. God help us all. Let's pray.
Lord, this is a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. And there's so much to be said. There's so much to learn. God, I pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to understand what you have spoken this evening, what your word has spoken to us. Lord, we desperately need you. We need you, Lord. We need to see you. We need to have a real, genuine, loving relationship with you in order to be effective to reach a world that needs you, Father. We open our hearts, we open our eyes, we open our minds, Lord, to what you want to say to us now. Lord, as we wait on you, speak. We invite your Holy Spirit to be here this evening. Lord, we ask that you would show up. We ask that you would do great things. Show us your glory. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you do reveal yourself to us, God. You've not left us as orphans. You are so good. We love you, God. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen.